1: who are actually courageous enough to make real change in their learning community, as they foster the growth of each young person in their care to ultimately thrive in a new world environment. These are their stories. Nathan
0: Chisholm is the principal of Pran High School in the diverse, vibrant and creative inner city of Melbourne. He was appointed in 2018 to lead the development of something different, a contemporary, future-focused secondary school in which students are deeply connected to their school, their community, and their capacity to make a positive impact in their world. It's a school underpinned by a core commitment to four key values, which are framed as learning dispositions, creativity, curiosity, challenge and character, I'm really excited that we've got Nathan Chisholm with us today. Let's go.
1: Well, it's great to see you again, Phil, and I hope that the the sunshine is beaming there in Hipsterville of uh, Fitzroy.
0: Uh, Look, it is indeed. We're a little bit worried about sunshine here as it damages our pale and, and wan complexion. So I'll stay inside for the duration of this
1: chat. Well, it's important that you have your priorities right. Look, I'm really excited about today's conversation uh, with Nathan from Paran uh, High School. Uh, The reason being is, of course, Series 3 is all about highlighting particular schools uh, from across the globe that are changing the game of schooling. And it's great that we have one right in our backyard. So, Nathan, welcome to Game Changers.
2: Thank you. Thanks, guys. good to be here.
1: I'm going to launch straight into the very first question, Nathan, and that is: Can you tell our listeners a little bit about your own story? How how did you get to
2: where you are today? Yeah, sure. So, um, well, so I'm um, a career teacher, I guess. So I started out, you know, I'm an English teacher, a high school English teacher, and started my career many years ago in in the country in Victoria, and um and was always really driven to leadership and to aspire to leadership. As I saw it, um, I think even when I was young, I saw it as a way of of being able to uh, to make the biggest difference, I think, um, in, in education, and right from a very young age, I saw things about schools and the way schools run and what learning looks like in schools that I just thought we needed, you know, that, that was sort of ripe for changing. And I mean, over 20 years, um, I have had a couple of different principalships now in three different very three very different communities. So one community where a school was, you know, a breath away from closure really, and it was a merge of two quite um, sort of dysfunctional schools and Um, the culture was pretty toxic and we so we had to do some work there to rebuild and to reculture that school Mm -hmm. and then to a a fairly middle class um you know successful if you like um depending on how you'd measure success though um secondary school in a very different environment and then here's to paran, so um, where i feel very grateful to have this opportunity Um, and this community is home for me as well so i have a really strong sense of what around and Windsor St Kilda is like and also but this community is giving me and us an opportunity now, it's taken a while to get here, but an opportunity to really think about learning in schools a bit differently and this community so far is coming with us on that journey. So I've had, you know, sort of a variety of experiences and um, and this for me feels like what I've waited for and wanted my whole career. So it's nice to be here.
1: It's really exciting to have a community uh, really connect with the vision of of a school. And off the top of the program, uh, Nathan, Phil mentioned kind of four key dispositions uh, that we're going to really explore a little bit further on in in the podcast. But my next question to you is one that centers around the idea of challenge and how Mm. Paran High School students are challenged and supported to learn, to think, to develop their agency and, of course, to thrive. And we're very aware that you have a very strong emphasis, obviously, not only on the learning areas, but, of course, the capabilities of the Victorian curriculum. Can you talk to our listeners a little bit about what does that look like on a daily basis, this notion of learning, thinking, agency and thriving Mm. through the learning areas and through the capabilities? Mm,
2: Sure. So, and look, first of all, I mean, I guess I would say, too, that everything we're doing is, is a work in progress as well. So, um, you know, 18 months into our journey of building the new school and building it, we're refining and and, um, and improving all the time. So, you know, lots of what we're doing is, I mean, we're not we're not aiming to do in a pursuit of perfection. I don't think that that's not a helpful thing to do, but I just kind of want to say that where we're at is, is a really exciting time, but there's certainly a work in progress. So... The idea of challenge, though, for our kids is something that we've built into one of our core values of the school, is challenge. And that is about, I I toyed with the idea of excellence and those sorts of things when we're looking at our values. But the reason why we landed on challenge is because it's it's not about the the academic level the kids are at. It's actually about the challenge and the challenge that's right for them. So I think one of the things that's really working for us is our approach to um, curriculum planning, our approach to assessment. Um, We have no grades uh, we're determined about that we have what we call a learning tracker which runs from emerging through to enrichment and extension that our kids are really able to explain to you if you're in a classroom here a learning space here our kids are able to explain to you the level that they're working at and it's different for each of them but some of those kids are really really thriving at that at that top end and it's because they've been allowed to so we're trying to ensure that there are no or few lockers to learning along the way and that tracker continuum that we are building into what we do every day is really helping with that things like the capabilities i think we uh let's look at ethics for example which i think ethics is so key and there's so much in ethics that we can really um that we can do with kids we've built ethics into the science curriculum so we're creating a curriculum called the ethical scientist and that's actually given i'm not sure that is where we will stay but even as a starting point of saying we're serious about the capabilities we've woven it into an area of the school we think it fits best. Um, and kids are doing some beautiful things. So we're looking at an area of E7 curriculum, they end up at the zoo sort of thing. I mean, there's some fairly mainstream science content stuff that needs to be delivered at that time. But the idea around ethics has really elevated that to a new level. So that for us is key. We're determined that we have a culture of thinking and learning here, not doing and working. So language for me is critical. And um, we talk about thinking. in some ways, it, should be, it seems counterintuitive, I think, to think that schools perhaps are not often great places of learning, but the reality is they're not. They're a place of organisation and doing, of working. And um, so for us, we're really, uh, really working hard on that, building a culture of thinking into everything that we do. And so far, so good. You know, so there's a lot of good stuff happening in that space.
0: Nathan, I'm really intrigued about this notion of thinking as opposed to doing when you're in the system, and I'm going to ask you a couple of questions about being in a system and getting out of a system. So when you're in a system, and you're in a culture, as teachers often are, which is all about doing, Mm. how do you lead them out of that culture and into a culture of thinking?
2: So yeah, it's, it's a really good question. And I have to say, as a as a leader, as a principal, this has been such a joy and really challenging because I do work in a system and I'm a firm believer in the system, but I probably don't follow all of the system rules um, as much as some people do, because I think we have to make the system work for us uh, as well as the other way around. So what that means is for our staff is that We are building a culture here where the staff are thinking as well. So staff are planning units that, uh, with my permission, as long as we kind of work it through and the drivers to what they want to do are right, that sort of outside of the scope of what they might do somewhere else. I'll give you an example. In Year 8 English, we've done a unit on the kids and teachers have been working on a unit on love and exploring love as the big idea. Now, when this was first pitched to me, I was thinking, well, year eight, so we can talk about love. Is this really? And anyway, so they wanted to explore different types of love and a whole range of things. And the outcomes, what kids have done in that time has been pretty extraordinary. So I had to be one over, but I guess that's what I'm trying to build in the culture is to say to the teachers, okay, you want to do a unit on love. Here are some of my sort of the criteria, if you like to say, if you thought about the outcomes for kids, if you talk to kids to get a sense of their understanding about why we might do that. And then go for it, you know. And so the unit I love in year eight English is something that it proves to me that the act of leadership, when you're really looking to build teacher agency and teachers thinking about this stuff, is hard because you have to let go of some of that and say to people, "I trust you to do this, as long as the drivers are right." And um, you know, we might win some, we lose some, but again, so far, so good. And that's a really nice example for me of where that's worked well.
0: So, trust is an interesting thing. If you go to schools within systems, schools without systems too, yeah, sort of systems. But if you go to schools within systems and they're not working particularly well, people will talk in terms of trust and suspicion. They'll also talk about the challenge that they face personally about an infraction against a minor rule. So they will catastrophize a little thing and say, well, if I do this, then civilization will collapse. Mm. So you've got a situation where there's low trust and as a result, there's low courage to step outside of a box. How do you encourage people that it's okay to experiment? It's okay to play It's okay to fail. It's okay for things to be work in progress and that perfection isn't required.
2: And not only okay to fail or okay to get wrong, I would argue it's required, you know, because we're not learning if we don't make some mistakes. So that messaging for me is really important to the kids, you know, students in our school, but also to the staff. And again, I would say that some of our staff actually come in sometimes maybe expecting not to be trusted. So we have to work really hard on that with them. And I say to, I sort of reiterate to people all the time, I do trust you, you know, um, I trust you to do this. You have the responsibility to do this. You can go away and think about this. So it's something that is a part of my messaging to people all the time and to the students and to the staff, but also to the community. Because one of the things here in building the new school that I've felt really strongly is that sometimes families will say, what's going to happen in your What what, What's going to be in your ten? And I would say, you know, I actually don't know yet what I can say to people is the vision is clear. Um, our values construct is clear. We're going to talk to kids, we're going to talk to you, but I haven't like we haven't landed on it yet and I'm okay with that. Okay, so then let, let's then explore these values a little bit. It's really clear
1: that Prahran High School is for students to learn and to develop the kind of intellectual rigor and character that's required to make a positive impact in our world. And the school has four key pillars, as Phil mentioned earlier, creativity, curiosity, challenge and character. Can you talk a little bit about these pillars and how they actually lived at Peret?
2: We talked a little bit about challenge earlier, but for me, um, if we're not being challenged, then we're not learning. So, um, and we need to really push that. The notion of creativity is something that we are really trying to build in and we touched on the capabilities before, but things like creativity, particularly through the opportunity of critical creative thinking is something that we're really building into our curriculum here. Curiosity, again, is something that we want kids to want more and we want kids to be, to again, to be such get so engaged in their learning that they want to find out more. And then the notion of character for me is really important. I believe more and more to my core that schools, despite the, the changes that I think are desperately required in schools, one thing that for me, I'm absolutely resolute on is that schools, have a role to play in doing character. And so, you know, with the world outside us is complex, social media is complex, all of these things that are happening, and in some ways relationships are sometimes kids are a little they're disconnected or they're you know, all sorts of things are happening. For us, character is really important. So, you know, if if this podcast, if I had a couple of my kids with me, um, I'd like them to explain this to you because when they take tours of the school, um, when we show prospective families around, we always say to kids, I always hold this to the end and I don't load them, but I always ask them to explain what the values mean to them and when kids can explain the way the character is enacted at our school is by doing xyz that's when i can start to see that we're starting to live those values we also build it into our curriculum model so when we look at our vision for learning which starts from kids and what we want we want you know higher levels of learning we look at student learning in the middle we come from that and our our values feed into that so we're trying to build it into everything that everything that happens across the school
1: So it's really clear to me that Paran High School is committed to a learning climate of genuine positive wellbeing for all, that it really recognises this kind of interdependence between student wellbeing and learning. And my understanding, this is complemented by the notion of a mentor teacher Mm -hmm. that's been constructed there at Paran. Mm Can you share with our listeners a little bit about how Paran College fosters this kind of inclusive, positive, safe and supportive school environment?
2: So, well, and when we explore our value of character, um, we certainly explore that and we talk here a lot about, um, we talk about empathy, we talk about compassion, we talk about resilience and certainly we talk about kindness. So I talk about kindness a lot, um, right down to even when we're recruiting. So when I'm recruiting to the school, um, one of the questions definitely will have a, an, an explicit aspect of kindness in it. So the culture that we are looking again, that is the messaging around this place at all times, is that my staff and kids use the word kind in meaningful ways. So it's part of the culture that we're trying to build at our school that is one that values kindness. We're also talking about relationships and how you form relationships, and we've been doing some work with a consultant, a colleague who is the head of um, student well-being at Grammar for a long time, and. You know, we've been doing some work with our school on, on how you form relationships because we talk about relationships as being important, but I'm not sure we necessarily talk about how you form relationships and on what basis you form relationships and teaching kids about that they're in a relationship with their teacher and each other, and how to mend it when it goes wrong. Those sorts of things. Yeah. So we talk about that, and um, and we're really making that a priority. The mentor teacher role is is probably not necessarily a revolutionary, but it's saying to our kids that when you are at our school, and certainly at the moment with learning at home, this has been critical. That this is your this is your connection. This is one person that we know that every single young person in our school needs to be closely connected to an, to an adult. And, and this is that person. So in our school, we are not going to have traditional structures of year-level coordinators or those sorts of things which focus on discipline. That's not going to be what we do. And we want to try and mitigate the need for that by saying, if we get the relationships right, we won't have to worry about that. And that mentor teacher role is critical as we, are, as we sort of strive to do that.
0: Uh, Nathan, all, all of this is, uh, is music to our ears. And if we look mm-hmm. at our global research that we've done on character and competency and, in education, everything you're saying is borne out, particularly about the primacy of relationship. I want mm. to pick up on the term kindness as much because I know our, our producer, Oliver, is, um, is always banging on about kindness and thinks <laughs> we should all be a lot more kind, yeah. um, particularly me. Let's talk about no grades. Let's talk about character. Let's talk about assessment and reporting. I mean, you know, it's you've got an art teacher and a history teacher and an English teacher all talking to each other at the moment. So of course we've got to talk assessment and reporting. Is that the beginning of, of a joke Phil? Look at, I think it could be the beginning of a joke but but, I'll, but I'll, I'll keep it I'll try and keep it focused at the moment. How would you know how kind your school is? How would you measure kindness in your school perhaps at a school level or a program level or or a student level? What does that look like?
2: Yeah, look, that's, I mean, that's, that's such that's such a good question. It's such a big question. And, you know, I could talk about data sets that we might collect that are system data. Um, we're also looking at another, another wellbeing tool to collect some data that we want to explore. And, you know, I think it's actually, I don't know, I'm probably not going to give you a necessarily <laughs> a satisfactory answer here, but I think to, it, it's that sort of It's a sense that when I get feedback from families and we get feedback from kids, when we have feedback from people coming into our school, there's a cultural aspect to this that you can feel when you come to Prone, and that we want to feel and we know when it's not right and we know when it's right. And I know that's a little sort of vague, that answer, but um, that's how we know we're on the right track. Um, Again, we have data sets that we can look at around attitudes to school and um, that will give us a sense of that as well. But we certainly know, I think, that we're on the right track and our kids are giving us that feedback. The other point around kindness that I think is really, it's really important to talk about is that being kind to yourself and about, and this also goes to the culture of, of making mistakes and of learning to fail, and that it's not only okay, but that it's necessary. So at the moment, say, well, we're really we're such a this is such a complex storm when We're um, transitioning to learning at home, and I'm saying to students and families, be kind to yourself because we're doing our best. I'm saying to teachers, be kind to yourself around this, around you know the expectations that you have for yourself. So it's not just that kindness in the in the sense of you know helping someone across the road, you know, that matters. But we're also saying being kind to ourselves as thinkers because if we're really pushing ourselves, you're going to muck up sometimes. You're not going to be successful at all times. And we want that to happen. And if that is going to
1: happen and we're going to learn from it, it can only happen in a culture that values kindness. To, to complement what you're saying there, Nathan, it's really clear that so much uh, around the planning, the physical planning of your campus and, and the facilities was around... A new learning paradigm and this Mm. philosophy that you're sharing right now that kindness is not simply a gesture it's actually part of uh, and imbued in everything that happens within that particular learning community and one of the things that struck me uh, when I noticed the building going up uh, a couple of years ago and and let's face it this is a purpose-built you know uh, vertical campus was the real emphasis on kind of bespoke learning spaces and an environment on campus for play, for learning, for well being, and, and the cultivation of kind of these creative skills that you were mentioning earlier. Mm. But most importantly this social exchange of kindness that you're talking about. Mm. Can you talk a little bit about why the physical environment was as important as your pedagogical thinking to help these young people thrive in a new world?
2: Yeah, sure. And and look I should say the the building design itself pre my appointment but the building itself um, and the design here is critical because it's actually it's actually part part of the teaching because you couldn't implant a more traditional for want of a better word secondary school into here and say away you go it wouldn't work so what I and we had to do when we moved in here is to really say we've got these really flexible contemporary open spaces that are a bit almost like a bit like visiting an Apple Store if you like that is got this sense of that's the way this is, a bit, is working. So what we're saying here is that we've got to relinquish some of that traditional control of teacher student and classrooms because when you come into our school and you see students spread out in spaces that look like spaces where you or I might you know sit and have lunch and sit on our computers, um, and students were doing that and they're working in groups and they're not, so they're not in front of the board. They're not in a, you know, sort of more didactic arrangement. So the spaces are leading us to to our pedagogy or pushing our pedagogy even further. And I think that's one of the really, one of the really nice things about this. If we didn't, we would work against the design of the building. So um, it's been an interesting kind of thing to weave into really super, super slick modern building and weave our pedagogy into it um, has been a, yeah, it's been a really exciting challenge too. What's really exciting
1: about what I'm hearing is that it's it's, uh, and what's happening there at Paran and what you're really uh, agitating for is what I like to to call a pedagogy of encounter, you know, an Mm. encounter with self, with place and of course with the other. And so much of the early life of Paran High School is really embedded in aha moments that we all have in our own journey. And I love how you were talking earlier around the notion of challenge includes struggle because some yep. of our greatest learning happens in that struggle. But this notion of a pedagogy encounter is about caring. It's about connecting. It's about culture and it's about community. Uh, and yeah, this I'm just going on a bit of a diatribe there just as a bit of a uh, um, props to you guys, because it's so impressive to, to be able to hear and refreshing to hear uh, an educator and a community aspire to be so much more than what we have come to know is the norm of schooling.
2: Pedagogy of, encounter I think is a really powerful sort of um, something for me to think about the other thing is around this is that it, that pedagogy of counter and I would say that our encounters are changing so because as the school changes we start with one year level and then we've had our two year levels and then we're we're um, we're communicating with one another we're looking at spaces a bit differently so we are changing and evolving so I've really tried to say and I know agile is a very sort of you know very now work but we are really trying to say that we are going to have an agile um, response to things in our school last year to this year, it doesn't look the same. And I think that's okay. And something we want to kind of continue in on that vein.
1: So I just want to explore that a little bit further. It's clear that what you're doing here is also working really closely with your parent community. Mm -hmm. and no doubt that is a crucial partnership in helping them understand this kind of new normal that you're describing here today because of course they were educated in schools much like you and i that was this kind of industrial factory model that's what we all became hardwired and accustomed to and they probably believe that's the best way to deliver maths that's the best way to deliver english and are still in the kind of silos of independent disciplines as opposed to an interdisciplinary inquiry approach Yes. Can you talk a little bit about how you actively go about promoting this crucial partnership between the home and the school? What does that look like in real application?
2: I see my role as principal as having um, some role as thought leader in our community as well. So I, so I write quite freely and openly to parents around what we're doing and I try and explain things to parents in a way that isn't just department speak but really explaining the story that we're on and even weaving the current struggle, the current challenge that we're in into the narrative of parent High School. So that's part of it. The other thing is we are we really are uh, inviting parents into our school more and more. One of the commitments of the school and one of the uh, the opportunities that we have here is to use the community as a teacher as well. So we Our parents uh, have been so giving of their time and skills. So we wanna move beyond things like parents and friends associations. You know, that's just, those things have their place, but what we need to be saying is we need our parents in here we invite them to come in to be part of the learning. So, for example, a, a parent who does some work in multimedia and computer program design has been in with us. One of our, We've had an artist who's been in with us in the school. We have chefs here. The nature of this community is that you know, we're starting to explore how two of our chefs here on that work in hospitality and also participate for the food tech program here at our school. So, so that's the way that we're building the partnership here is to have invited parents in for their skills to be part of the learning. Um, and that's actually going really well so far. And we found that if you ask, generally people want to be part of it. So people are on board and that partnership is going really nicely. So, and we've got a few really nice examples of that. And again, it's early days, but even at the moment, I'm working on a virtual tour for the school, which is coming through a collaboration um, with a parent. It'll be with a parent who runs the company, it'll be with myself, it'll be with two students, it'll be, and we're doing this sort of work. So, another sort of lived example of the sort of parent student partnership we want in the school.
0: Nathan, again, there's, there's so much that you're talking about that's that's fun and, and, and interesting. Are you having fun? Are, you, are are your team having fun in what yeah, you're yeah, doing?
2: Yeah, um, amazing. Um, look, I just, um, I, feel so, I feel so grateful to be here. Um, I love this place. I love the kids. I love the community. Um, yeah, I'm having fun. Um, it's challenging. It's all of those things that you expect school leadership to be. But it's a joy, you know,
0: it's an absolute joy. So earlier on, right at the beginning, you said that you'd waited your whole career for this opportunity. Mm. Um, how, do we, how do we stop that? How do we give people opportunities like this throughout their career rather than as a reward? Because, you know, we, we spoke to Stephanie McConnell back in the first series of Game Changers, who's running the Linfield Learning Village mm. in my home state, uh, the great state of New South Wales. And um, she talked about her career in this school being born out of frustration that she wasn't able to do this stuff earlier in her career. Now that might be a great motivator for some, but how do we create within the system the opportunity to do much more of this sort of fun stuff right from the start? Look, I think
2: that's a a big question. And I think, uh, look, I feel exactly the same as perhaps perhaps Stephanie did. To be honest, you know, I've, I've, been in the in the game for twenty two years and I loved it and but my roles as principals I found been you know have been joyful as well but have been so so constricting at times um, and and at my last school I would spend time sort of walking around the school seeing things going ah, we, we haven't got it this is not right this is not what kids should be doing but conversely that is a school where results are good community satisfaction is high kids going to university so. You know that challenge of what, of how much does one do as a principal in that environment to really push the envelope when you've got a thousand young people and their family saying, "Well, things are things are terrific here." So I think it's a big question. I think we're at a point now, and I hope that this period of change now is a somewhat of a portal through to some different thinking, um, because we are in this period of mon- massive change. So. I feel like this is gonna be the sort of kick up the backside to say, All right, well things have been thrown on their head not through choice, but they have. So now, now we do need to, now we, um, I think, to take this opportunity to, um, to go a bit further and to be a bit more playful, I think is really important.
1: Nathan, I've got two, two questions to uh, before before I hand over to Phil to, to finish up the, the podcast. The first question relates a little bit to some of the pedagogical approaches that you have there at Paran College, particularly around the introduction of project-based learning and a commitment to design thinking as kind of the core parts of your learning process for the students, and this is, delivered primarily through your design lab subject. That's can right. You, can you explain with our listeners what that design lab subject is and why is frameworks like project-based learning and design thinking significant in preparing young people for this kind of world of great flux and uncertainty?
2: Yes, I'm sure. So, again, when I, when I was first appointed... Mm-hmm. Some things around when I started to put together for the vision for the school, I knew, uh, I knew in, in my core that project-based learning and design and the concept of design thinking is something that I really thought were, were critical for our community to explore. Again, this community here in Pran is very diverse. It's creative. It's a community that is that's willing to have this conversation with me. But I think most communities will, if you're upfront about why we're doing it uh, and can can tell the story around it. But I think for our kids, I think what we know of the world is that young people and people, when they enter the workforce, have got to be able to work independently. Um, I think the society more broadly is valuing entrepreneurship. You know, people like you guys, people who are who are making, creating your own reality. Well, you can't do that without having some understanding of how you think through a process of, you know, like from empathising to defining to ideate to that sort of design thinking process. Is something that I, that people you you probably use to kind of push yourselves to this level as well. And we want young kids to understand that. But I want young students here at our school to start working on that in year seven, eight, and nine to be having learning experiences that are consequential, so that actually have some impact, which is our motto, beyond the school. And that's where I think project-based learning is really gives us that nice, nice opportunity. You know, in design lab, they do some work on. Where they've done a coding activity, but the but the point of it is not coding. The point of it is that they work on a device to assist people who are hard of hearing access learning. So then it's about design for a purpose and to care for people. But they've got to learn some coding along the way. So what we don't do is say right. This unit is about coding. It's actually, this unit is about design. This is the intent of the design. What do we need to do to make it happen? We're gonna need to learn XY skills in coding or robotics. And that's our approach in design life. And we will give you one example. I just, you know, and then I'll stop doing this. is one exciting to us, but at our school, we have an outdoor space, the lane that outside is very Melbourne kind of lane last year a project in designer that I pitched to the kids was to say redevelop let's let's redevelop this lane so what kids did was over the course of a the term, they planned some ideas they used the design thinking process to redesign our lane they then worked in history and printers some things to put it together they pitched their ideas to myself and a panel of architects we chose some winners I budgeted you know thirty thousand dollars or whatever it was so then put some of this did to life so, that type of opportunity that we want to give our kids—that um, is actually truly real—and then they can see it outside the windows. And they can see yeah. like the impact. Nathan, uh, thank you for that.
1: My final question to you is: Is this in, in term two? Uh, Peran launched their impressive learning at home model during the pandemic, and in many ways, it is uh, an exceptional example of how a learning community is able to adapt and be agile in what a world is really calling us now to be. And that model was built around the school's four key values and of course the notion of self-determined learning, where you gave students increased autonomy with their learning. Yeah. Can you share with our listeners what you think learning and schooling should look like post the pandemic? It's
2: only been two weeks, but we have been bold and we I knew we had to be. And so we threw everything up in the air and created a new model, as you've said. And I've been absolutely blown away by the response of students and families to what we've done. Is it going perfectly? No, of course it's not. You know, we're getting some feedback, where kids are struggling. Some kids are flourishing and, and absolutely flying. The key takeaways for me so far are about independence and that our kids are able to be much more independent with their learning than we possibly give them the opportunity to be at school are about agency and that our kids have significant, when they're given the opportunity, they have just their minds, they have such power for such, they can control their learning and they can have you know, sensible and meaningful agency in their learning. Um, and we knew that, but I think we're living that experience now in a bit more detail. It's also around, I think, uh, the relationship between teacher and learner. So at school now, when we come back, we're almost thinking that we would like to try our learning at home model here at school because we want to see If we structure a time that has more uh, more independent learning time in school, where teachers are conferring with kids on a needs basis, what is that going to look like here? So um, we already have a model for us. This wasn't too much of a a stretch for my staff to go But when we come back, it is going to look different. We are going to expect more of our kids. We are going to expect a level of independence. Um, We are going to expect a level of self-management we are going to expect a different level of partnership, I think, between teacher and students. And when we we talk about sharing the space, but when we get back, I really, truly want to be sharing the space. So the teachers and kids are actually working together, as it were. So, that you know, that I'm helping a young person here with their work at a different time. I'm still working on my work at that point. So, but actually sharing the space space. now again it sounds a bit you know um, sort of pie in the sky and there needs to be some structures around that but we're determined to make a change as a result of this because we've seen the power of laying at home and we've seen how much our kids can do without us there all the time what we can do when we get back i think is potentially mind-blowing but the challenge will be to make it happen exciting times nathan very exciting and if i just say so we had a sorry no, i know i've had a meeting last night i had with seven parents and we're getting some feedback and and again, you're listening to that. And I've said to them, you know, we're going to listen with open hearts and minds and we'll, and we'll hear the feedback. We we'll hear all these sorts of things. And, you know, we've one young person who's crying because so it's too hard, one kid who's flourishing and everyone to come back to school, basically so everything in between. But the really interesting time about this time is that it's hard for everybody. So I said to the parents, you are learning, I'm learning, the kids are learning. This is the ultimate opportunity for learning by doing because none of us are experts. And it's a beautiful time in that way for us to truly be
0: learning side by side. So it's not about online versus offline.
2: It's not about
0: vertical buildings versus what are in Australia more traditional buildings. It's not about the stuff. It's actually about the learning. And it's about what is intended at the end of the learning, which is about the voice, agency, well-being, character, competency, confidence of students. I
2: think if we talk about the technology, we're still, we're still tinkering. You know, I think People are a bit hung up and saying, well, you can can use Zoom, you can use this. I'm like, yeah, yeah, you can use all of those things. And that's fine. We need to. But I don't think that's what's most powerful about this time. It's what we're learning about learning. And so we put together a model of learning, not a model of school organisation. And so now we're thinking about that. My APs and I are saying, when we get back, we think we've done a pretty good job so far. But now through necessity, we really turned it on on its head and we're creating a model of learning that looks at different styles of learning across the week, not saying so much maths and science and French. So it's like, you know, what is that going to look like when we get back? And what's year nine going to look like at our school in 2021? Um, it's exciting times. I'm
0: excited. Excellent. I think we're all excited about this. You know, it's um, it's 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 been the fashion for the last... 20 years or so that every time educators in our country or educators in any country really get excited about a new idea, they feel the need to go overseas to find exemplars. The reality is that there's amazing stuff happening in our own backyards. We just need to look for it to find game changers like yourself and your team and your school who are passionate, who are committed, who are reinventing the rules as you go along and having some fun while you're doing it and bringing your community with you. Um, it's been really inspiring talking with you today, Nathan. We really appreciate your time. And uh, we wish you and Pran High School all the very
2: best. Thanks, guys. Thanks so much. And I don't think we can underestimate the importance of having fun while we do it. It's, you know, I say to my staff, we spend more time here than we do with our parent, with our partners, parents, dogs, whoever it is. and we choose to spend our life with teenagers and hundreds of them. So let's have some fun while we do it because it's just too important not to. Well, fun's one of the greatest constructs of learning, right? Yeah.
1: yeah. And look, props to you. And I love what how Phil mentioned that a moment ago around the fact that often we, we look abroad for inspiration, but uh, we're very fortunate to have people like you and your staff and your parents and your students who are all open to a new normal and, and a new possibility. And, uh, all the better we are for it, for having this conversation with you, Nathan. We wish you huge success going forward. We know that Paran uh, High School is in its infancy, but no doubt it's going to continue to provide not a destination, but a direction of what is possible. So thank you very much for joining us on Game Changes.
2: Thank you so much. Thanks for your support of the school show. We really appreciate it.
0: Game Changers podcast is produced by Oliver Cummins for Orbital Productions and supported by Circle, the Centre for Innovation, Research, Creativity and Leadership in Education. Go to www.circle.education. podcast is hosted on SoundCloud. It's distributed through Spotify, Google Play and Apple Podcasts. Please subscribe and tell your friends you like what you hear.